freaking 30 pages long. Clearly, it's not going to be a game for everyone. This is a, you know, it's a heavier game for sure. So <laughs> weirdly enough, I have an easier time with bigger rule books. Like, I, I think it's because I, I get excited to Mm-mm. learn it all. But a small rule book, sometimes I'm like, I just don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Will this even be fun? Right, right. But, you know, sometimes, like, you know, it's like a, a short rule book, but it's, like, very clever. I don't know. I really like those. Like, I just played, um, uh, what's the stained glass game? Oh, Sagrada. Uh, Sagrada. Yeah, I played Sagrada last night for the first time. How was it? It was great. It was, you know, and that's, it's like, you know, a it's like a front and back two-page rule book, but, you know, but really puzzly how you place the dice or anything. So it was good times. I enjoyed it. That's one I have kind of on my list because I think my wife will really enjoy it. I have it on my list because I think my wife will enjoy yeah, well, it. Okay. Now I can confirm because I played it with my wife and she enjoyed it. So. <laughs> yeah, cool. Perfect. Yeah, I'm there always on the lookout for something I think my wife might like because she's not really a gamer. Yeah, right. So, in fact, it's, it's, last... very, it's very solitaire. So like if... If you don't want a lot of interaction, it's it's great. You know, there's a, there's some drafting, so there's a little bit going on. But like for the most part, you're just doing your little puzzle. They're doing their little puzzle. You know, right? But it's good. It's fun. That makes sense. I like. Uh, yeah, I get that. I oh, the game you play tested Jeff. That one's very like solitaire of mine. That was a mm. while ago. But uh, so I tried making one with a lot more player interaction, and I played it with my wife. And she was like, I don't like this so much. <laughs> She's like, I'd like it better if I couldn't interact with people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, I'll go back to the original for you. <laughs> That's funny. We can get started. Welcome to the Board Game Community Show, the podcast where we get to know people in the board game community. Today, we're going to be talking about an event that's happening in the community, Protocon 2022. Really excited. You've heard me talk about it at the end of the episodes, uh, or the end of most episodes as of recent. So today we have David Gonsalves from Fantasy Realm Games and Jeff Beck from Uproarious Games. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. Glad to be here. Doing good. Let's, uh, I guess I should, real quick, so people can distinguish your voices. David, how are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Jeff, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, now you know their voices, right? So so from here on out, you won't get confused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's just dive right into what is Protocon? Who, how did it start? Uh, what was the idea behind it? All that. Basically, um, Protocon, the idea for Protocon started when I attended an event in Toronto, Canada back in 2018, which is called Proto-TO. And um, I've got family that lives out there, so it was a convenient event to attend. And when I attended it, I just was really blown away with what a great event it was. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit different than other um Uh, cons I'd been to, specifically cons, uh, you know, geared towards um, playtesting. A lot of them are kind of a free flow event and you set up your game, people come around and you, you know, you hope that maybe they'll sit down and play your game. This event was uh, quite a bit different. It was very structured. So it started, it was a three day event. 
Uh, you start off with um, um, kind of casual through Friday. People just kind of do open gaming, chill out. But in the evening of Fridays where it kind of gets structured, they had what was called a showcase. And so the designers would set up their games. And then we, there was two showcases um, <clears throat> that allows designers in one showcase to be able to at least see some of the other games that are going on because they play test as well. Um, and you just pitch your games to, you know, as many people as possible. And I, I really love that because uh, I didn't feel the pressure as a designer to try, you know, like, please sit down and play my game right now. You know, I just want to tell them, tell as many people as possible about my game. And it is, and then also when I had a chance to, as an attend from attendee perspective, um, participate in the showcase looking at other people's games again i didn't feel that pressure as a play tester that i I need to sit down right now i'm just checking everything out and then what you do is every designer had time slots that they had signed up for on the following days and so you see what times they've signed up for um and then you just sign up for the games that you want to play the most and then The, the next day was the Saturday. So Saturday morning is when the session started. And I just was, again, I was just blown away because right at the start of my session, I had a full table of people, super, they were like wide-eyed, loving, because it was a game they wanted to play. So they were super excited. And it was like just unbelievable. And so the whole you know, the whole weekend was like that. I just, everything I saw was just like really impressed with. And so when I, right away, uh, when I got back to my dad's place, I was posting on the board game, uh, designers guild Facebook group. And I said, Hey guys, like I just went to this thing. It's like super awesome. And so, and then I followed that up when I, when I got back to Utah, I started talking with members of the guild to see if there was interest in, in doing something like that here. And, um, we had lots of discussion about it and there is, you know, lots of excitement and enthusiasm to, to do something like that. And so that's basically what started it off. And I was fortunate enough to get Jeff, uh, on board. Um, so we've got a committee through the guild that puts this event together. And so Jeff and I co-chair this, and then we've got um, other committee members um, that help put this together. How did Jeff, how did you get to be a part of it? I mean, did. Yeah. And actually, and and if you don't mind, let me take a step back and I just want to make sure everyone knows exactly what the event is. Oh yeah. Great. Um, Good call. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, because, you know, I don't know exactly who's, who your listeners are, but, you know, I assume some people maybe are new, newer to board games and don't necessarily know what playtesting means and what all these things mean. So as a, as a game designer, I'm, I'm always working on a game. I got a printout right here that uh, no one can see because this is a podcast of, you know, <laughs> a, a game that I'm working on right now. Um, and what I need is people to try the game and then give me their feedback and I can watch them play and I can see, Oh, that rule was maybe a little confusing or, Oh, that strategy seemed overpowered or, uh, boy, it just wasn't that fun when I had to do X, Y, and Z. And so I can watch them play the game. They can give me their feedback. And that's very, very helpful to me as a game designer, as a, as a player, uh, 
a convention like this is a really unique and exciting experience because there are a number of board game conventions in Utah and, and in the West in general uh, where you can go and play published games. And that's, that's super fun. Uh, but there, but protocon is unique in that it's an opportunity to play a game that's, that's not published yet. And so you get to see kind of the, the future uh, you get to see what's, what's coming down the road and try out some things that n- you've never seen before, which is really, really cool. And so it's a very unique uh, convention and a unique opportunity. It's also an opportunity to play a game with a designer, with someone who actually made the game, and then also get your feedback, have an impact on this game, You know, where you can say, hey, I didn't really like this part, or I really love that part. Can we see more of that in this game? And then the designer is going to go, oh, that's, that's great feedback. Let me make those adjustments. And, you know, you don't get that opportunity. You know, how cool would it be to be able to sit down and watch the latest Marvel movie, you know, The Legends of the Five Rings, and go, you know what? I didn't really like that intro. It was kind of boring. And and the, the director's like, okay, cool. Let's pop that out. Let's put this in. You know, you don't get that opportunity very often. But at Protocon, that's exactly what you get to do. And not to say that, you know, designers are going to do exactly what you say. But they're going to listen to your feedback. They're, and they're going to they're going to take that into consideration and make some changes based on what you tell them. And so it's a really cool and unique opportunity as a player that you don't get to get it really anywhere else in this area, at least. So really, really cool. Uh, so back to your original question, then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for covering that. I think that was really good. Really important to cover. Yeah, you know, it's, it's always good to set that that framework. Yeah. Uh, so so. Yeah, so so David came to me, and and this is actually something I I had been wanting to do for a long time was get because you know I, I assume you you've talked with your listeners about the Designers Guild uh, as you're a member of it, uh, you know, and and the Designers Guild we love to get together and play each other's games, and that's great feedback, but getting feedback from a designer scratches a certain itch that getting a feedback from a player is a different is a different thing and you and as a game designer you have to you you need both right because a game designer is going to look at it from one perspective whereas a a player is going to look at it from a a different perspective and so getting that feedback from from a player was was really important and i felt like that was something that the the game designers guild was really missing out uh because we really just love to play each other's games and and don't really bring in the public very often so when David mentioned this idea of, hey, let's put together a convention where we can have players come and test games, I was totally on board and very, very excited. I, you know, I'll get into that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I maybe I'll, ju- I'll jump on that right now because the next question is, who is Protocon 4? Which I, my, so I hadn't heard of the guild really. I think Dustin had told me a little bit about it, who's another guild member. Uh, and I grew up uh, with him. His brother's my good friend. So mm-hmm. he had posted on Facebook about Protocon. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll, I'll go to that. I'll see what it's like. And, and to see all of these other designers, like people from Utah in my area making games. And, and I was blown away by how cool that was, that there was this community of designers so close to me. Like, I'm not the only one that makes games. <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't realize how big it was. And so that was like my first introduction into the guild. And, and then later I joined the guild's discord. And of course the pandemic happened like the month after proto or uh, yeah, after <laughs> protocon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, we need it just under the wire. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which was a huge relief. I mean, yeah. I mean, at that time, there was like no real inkling that this would be a pandemic, you know? Like, right. That was crazy. Anyways, so it was a good introduction to gaming for me as like a new designer uh, or board game design. But who is Protocon for? Because you, you talked about kind of like it's a good opportunity for play or for designers to get play testers and get those player feedback is it beneficial for the players is it beneficial for you know like is it more for the designers or is it more for the players that was a messy question probably <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it is definitely something that the the designers need as jeff talked about um it, you know, it's super important to be able to not just play with other designers. Uh, designers have a certain um, way of looking at things, which is really helpful. Um, but but other times you need, so, sometimes you need actually even less than that. You, you don't need all that, you know, super heavy analytical way of how something is designed. Sometimes you just need response. You know, and, and you get that a lot of times. Not to say that um, the public d- doesn't uh, have lots of great ideas. I've some of my best ideas, you know, for for some of my games have come from public plate testing. But um, getting that response from from people. Um, let me let me just add to that that it it's it seems quite common that when you play test a, a game that you're working on with another designers, their first inkling is to think okay how would i design this game and then their feedback is well you should make the following changes to make it the game that i have in my head and that's great because that's what a designer does they're always thinking like oh well how could i make this into a fun game well you know what could i change what could i tweak and there's nothing wrong with that feedback but it's not always what you need sometimes you just need to know (laughs) was this fun or not you know exactly yeah i always look for for ideas coming from designers and feedback response coming from um, the public, you know, just gaming enthusiasts. When I see those ideas mesh, that's when I get serious about an idea. Um, and, and you're looking in, and also you're looking for audience, you know, as you're developing your game, you want to find people that are going to want this game. You know, if if you're not seeing that, then you need to reevaluate, you know, the direction that your game is going. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, I think if somebody hears playtesting event, I think they might think, well, I'm not going to get a full experience out of that because I'm playing games that aren't fully made or, you know, they're, they might be pretty early on. But as somebody who, you know, was new to that, I would I would say I was a designer, but I really hadn't been immersed into that that uh, area right and so i kind of came as a player and just played games and i don't i don't think i gave feedback like a designer at least i don't think i did i don't know uh and so as a player i had a ton of fun there like it's not just for designers designers are going to get a great benefit for it but it's definitely worth it i mean it's super cheap it's five dollars for a play tester yeah, I mean, to, a simple answer to your question: if if you love board games, Protocon is the place for you to be. Yeah, and and the cool thing about that is kind of like I mentioned before, you know, you go to any other convention, what you're gonna be playing is the same games you could be playing because you already own them, or the same games that your friends own. You know, this is an opportunity to play a game you cannot play really anywhere else. So it's you know, it's pretty unique. Yeah, exactly. So that's 
that should be incentive right there. I mean, at your at the first protocon, uh, I think Tim Fowers, uh, Burgle Brothers two had just finished on Kickstarter like a month before or something. Right, right, and and you had an opportunity to play that before really anyone else. Like, how cool is that? Exactly. Like, it was so cool to see that setup and see the two tiers and and be like, whoa, this is wild and. <laughs> Oros, which just uh, funded this year on Kickstarter, that was there. And it was in pretty mid-early stages, I guess. And I know he got feedback. He had used like a card-based action system at that. And so he changed it to be more of just like a worker placement, uh, not using cards as your actions, which helped his game a ton. And that was based on player feedback there. Yeah, exactly. So... You gotta, you gotta see the future of these games that don't even exist yet. You know, it's like it's like being in a time machine and like, wow, this is a game. You know, that's going to be out in a year. You gotta play it today. Yeah, and, and not only do you get to see the future, you can influence the future and say, I love that part. I didn't love that part. You know, and that's really cool. Exactly. Oh, I loved it. I'm like so excited for this one again, uh, especially now that I'm like even more involved in the community. Uh, I remember. Seeing uh, Tank Tank Brawl, right? Yep. Yep. So that's David's game that he's been working on. That's like your big game. Uh, so why don't you tell us how your experience was being a designer there? Uh, well, my experience was a little unique um, I, because I had planned to, uh, I bought a table, a time slot for my game, but then I, uh, I, I quickly became overrun with. Uh, overseeing the event <laughs> so i ended up actually never even completing my my i never yeah i never ended up doing my my session just because there's just so much going on and, and being a, a first uh year event for us there's so many things it was new to us as far as running a, a successful event you know and it was it was hugely successful you know but there's definitely some things that we learned mistakes here and there that you know we, we know for now to do better and we'll be better prepared for so I was over <laughs> my experience was amazing and fantastic but from a designer's perspective complete fail <laughs> <laughs> well I do remember seeing you kind of running around like one room to the next and and how like you were all over the place I feel like uh and I think even Dustin I had talked to him and he's like well you got to talk to David about that and he's I don't know where (laughs) (laughs) uh did you have a game there Jeff I did in fact I had Intrepid there which uh you know again you can't see but if you could see the screen you'd see this there's a stack of them games behind me uh so (laughs) Intrepid uh was on Kickstarter last year and it's just shipping now. Um, and I had that there. And, uh, you know, I, I feel a little guilty that I, I did get some playtesting in. <laughs> Maybe I should have been helping out more. But No, I'm glad you got your game in. I love your game. It's awesome. And, oh, yeah, yeah, it needed to be seen. You're, you're too kind. Yeah, it, you know, it needed all the help it could get for sure. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was great. And w- one thing I love... From a designer perspective, and David touched on this, but I'll I'll hit it again because I think it is unique to Protocon compared to some other playtesting events I've been to. So there are other playtesting events, not necessarily in Utah, but other places in the country. Um, Or like even like, say, SaltCon, for example, has the Prototype Alley. 
a little dedicated section for for playtesting. The problem with that and with other playtesting events I've been to is that quite often what you end up doing as a designer is you sit at your table and maybe you have a little sign or maybe you're just trying to run the hustle and grab people and say, hey, come play, t- come play, play test my game, come play test my game. And, and you're spending at least half the time, usually 70% of the time, just trying to people, get people to come sit down and play your game. And then you're so happy when they do it and you play your game and you get your feedback and then you're back to running the hustle again. And so ProCon is so cool in that people sign up ahead of time. And so you literally just sit down and like David said, the, the, the playtesters are there. They're, they're excited to play your game. They, they picked it. They're, and so it just streamlines the experience so good. And you get so much more feedback and you have, don't have to worry about how can I get people to play my game? You just worry about playing your game with these, with these people. And it's great. It's fantastic. I can also add on to that with uh, you don't necessarily have if you're a player and you're like, well, what if I don't want to sign up? You don't have to. You can go like I went and literally as soon as I walked in the door, somebody was like, I just finished a play test. Like, what? You want to come play test my game? (laughs) Because they, you know, they had one person sign up for theirs. It went faster than they expected. So there's more than that available or at least there was absolutely and in fact this year one thing we're doing differently um to kind of on those notes is we are planning to have volunteers that will help you find so if you don't know what game to go to we'll have volunteers that will say okay here are the games that have open seats available which one sounds interesting to you okay great let me help you get to that table and so yeah you can just show up and we will help you find a game so don't feel pressured you know as a play tester just come have a good time. Exactly. Yeah, that's one of the things we, that's one thing we learned from the first event. Um, this year, um, there's just a lot of things will be better organized. There's a little, it was a little bit chaotic, a little bit of confusion last time. So our goal is to make it easier for people to sign up for the games that they want and be able to um, play, play more games that they want. Well, what other changes have been made? Based on, you know, the first time experience, obviously you've learned a lot after running one. <laughs> so the, so the, the biggest change right off the bat were, is we're going to a two day event, which, um, that was our goal from the start to eventually be, um, at least a two day event, um, but for our first year, we, we had no idea how well it would be received. And so booking space is not cheap. So we, we stuck with the, the one day. Um, the problem with doing everything that we did in, in the one day is we had to cram a lot in to that one day. Um, and, and while it was, you know, ended up going great, people had a great time, you know, it, 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 there was some chaos. It was a little bit chaotic. So being able to spread the event over two days uh, helps immensely. Um, the number one change um, after going to the two-day event is how things are structured. Uh, starting with um, the showcase are now moved to Friday night, uh, which is exactly how they did it in Toronto. And when I went to Toronto, I, did, I didn't feel that same chaos that I know we had going on. And, and spreading it over more days is what helps that. Um, so... With having the two showcases Friday night and, and open gaming, uh, Friday night will be a much more relaxed, um, you know, evening. You can just sit down, mingle, 
play some, you know, open gaming. They don't have to be um, published uh, prototypes. People are welcome to bring some um, published games if they just want to meet with some friends after they've maybe play tested some uh, designer games. But then Saturday, we'll, we'll get into the meat of play testing. Um, we've got longer sessions this year, so three hours. Um, and that will uh, be a big help and be able to... One of the complaints that we had from the first year is pe- a lot of people did not get to play test the game they wanted to play. because they they ran out of spots so this year we've got longer uh play test sessions we're going from two hours to three hours so that's going to allow um players to finish the game and then go find another game that's open that maybe they had wanted to play but the spots were filled up at sign up time and so as jeff uh talked about we'll we're going to have volunteers that will know when a game is done and we'll know you know, what's available to help direct um, um, the players. So those are the biggest things. There's other things, but those are the, the main things. Two-day event, moving the, the showcase, and longer playtest sessions on, on Saturday. One, one other thing I want to highlight is that, and, and it, it kind of goes back to being able to find a game that you want to play. Um, in, in our first year, just because of the space we were in, we ended up being in two different rooms. And so a lot, a lot of people got lost. They couldn't find, they never found the second room or, and then we had a situation where people like, couldn't like we had a, a kind of a billboard of, of games, but people would see a game they liked, but then couldn't find where to sign up. And th- you know, there was, there's a lot of confusion with regards to finding a game that was cool for you. And so we're putting a lot of effort. We, it's in one big room this time. So there's no getting lost. We're going to have people, volunteers helping you ready to find the game that you want to find. Uh, you know, so we're doing a lot of work to kind of streamline that whole process to make sure everyone has a great experience. Yeah, that, that's that's a huge thing. That was uh, a big problem. And with our first year um, in 2020, we had no idea how many people were come up were going to show up. So being at the venue that we had worked because it allowed us to start with a small room. And then as we saw that there was more interest, we ended up like in the last month, like all of a sudden interest skyrocketed and all these people were wanting to come. But that uh, venue allowed us to add a second room, which was great, but it, it led to some issues having the designers and play testers divided in into two rooms. And we, we didn't prepare ourselves properly to, to deal with that. Um, but that is completely gone. As Jeff mentioned, we're moving to the Element Event Center out by the Olympic Oval. They've got a beautiful facility. They've got a, you know, uh, two big rooms, which they open up and combine into, you know, just one large space. And they've also got common area for us. It will allow some extra tables for just some, if you just want to sit down and, by yourself with a few people and get out of the way there's that too yeah and being at the olympic oval you know if you want to take a break go do some ice skating that's an option too (laughs) absolutely (laughs) i'm thinking about so i live like two minutes away from here from there uh and so i was thinking about like smoking some meats or some food oh nice and then offering to be like you know hey on the first day maybe 
or the, on the first night, like come swing by and grab some food before. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. <laughs> Riley's house. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Game skate in Riley's house. <laughs> It'll be perfect. <laughs> I think that I might have a designer coming and staying from Idaho in my house uh, so that he can come and bring his game. Oh, perfect. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah. There's also on Friday, Jeff, you're doing a workshop, right? I am. Yes. Yes. Tell us about it. Okay. Well, so in addition, you know, sometimes you just, uh, you bite off more than you can chew, you know, that's, and that's, that's the story of my life. So in addition (laughs) to running ProtoCon, I also run uh, an event called Tabletop Network. Uh, it is not in Utah. It is we, we have partnered with uh, Board Game Geek to make it part of BGGCon. We are not doing it this year due to uh, COVID concerns and people people are a little nervous about traveling. So we're, we are taking a, a hiatus this year. Um, but what what that just real quick what that event is is it's a professional development for game designers. So it's not a pro a playtesting event. Um, some people do bring prototypes. But for the most part, what it is, is you're sitting in kind of classes and people are lecturing about different aspects of game design. Uh, so it's a really cool event. But from that, I've taken, you know, I, I've learned a ton. And one of the key things that I have learned is th- the value of these hand on, hands-on workshops, you know, where it's not just someone, a talking head for 45 minutes, but it's it's someone presenting an idea and then handing you uh, pieces like prototyping pieces. And then you're sitting down with a group of maybe eight people and you are actually making a game live on the spot. And then the, uh, the facilitator says, okay, now let's think about it from this perspective. And and then you make changes to your games and then, you know, and so it's kind of this guided walkthrough process of making a game, maybe from some, through some different lenses that you haven't thought about in the past. And so I, I had an opportunity to do that in Tabletop Network. It was a really cool experience. And so I'm just going to hopefully do my best to bring that here to Protocon. And so for for any game designer or aspiring game designer that wants to have this experience, um, I hope you sign up. It will be fun. <laughs> How do you sign up for that? Do you have Do you need to sign up beforehand? You, you, you do need to sign up beforehand. There are a limited number of seats and I need to gather up a bunch of game components to bring to make this all possible. So I need to know ahead of time who's coming. So yes, please do sign up ahead of time. Um, if, if you go to the tabletop events page for Protocon and, you, and you've registered for Protocon, then you can get a ticket uh, to attend that. Perfect. And that doesn't cost you anything extra on top of your normal ticket. It's, it's to- well, what it costs you is the pain and suffering to have to listen to me for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> uh, and is that only for designers? Like if somebody was a player who was just interested? It, 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 is, it is targeted toward people who have some experience making games. But that said, if you are an aspiring designer... Please, by all means, come. You know, so I wouldn't say if, if you've if you've never thought about making a game, this is not game design one hundred and one, right? Right. So, so this may not be the best place for you. Uh, that said, I, I quite often do presentations at like SaltCon or other events that are more game design one hundred and one, 
that would be a really good opportunity for you. This is more like, hey, I've, I've, I've made some games or I've thought about making some games and I want to kind of improve my skills and get a better feel of, of how that happens or how other designers do it. So it is open to anyone, but I would definitely say with the caveat of, you know, hopefully you had at least some experience designing games when you show up. Yeah, if you've got uh, a designer badge, you can get uh, a ticket, um, but you can also get a ticket if you if you only have a playtester badge. There may be some designers that may come to the event that don't uh, bring their game. They want to playtest and they may want to do Jeff's workshop. And that is before the showcase, right? That's right. Yeah, that starts, uh, I think, just after four um, so yeah, you want to show up right away. Uh, I think we start that at four thirty, uh, but you want to be there by four, register, and and then get in there uh, for that. Perfect. And then what time is the showcase? The showcase, uh, I think the first one starts at seven. And then after that is so. I, this is something I don't know the answer to at all. Is the open gaming after the showcase? How late can that go until we have the. Uh, we were allowed to stay at the event till uh, facility till 11. So we have to be out by 11. That's just the rules that they, they okay. have. Um, so once the showcase are over, then um, yeah, you can just open gaming, open gaming till 11. Can't go till 1am. All right. <laughs> <laughs> People need their sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Then let's go to Saturday. Oh, actually, real quick, and I guess this goes to both Friday and Saturday, but open gaming, if you haven't signed up, if you're a play, you know, a designer and you didn't get a badge, we're asking not to bring your prototype for open gaming, right? Yeah, if, if you if you want to play test your game, we ask you to have a designer's uh, designer's badge And there. Yeah, we've got lots of designers badge badges. We've We've got a little bit more room overall than we did at the last event. So I don't see that being a problem. We did have, that was a bit of an issue at our last event, just because we ran out of space. I had designers, uh, when we started off, like nobody knew about our event. Nobody knew, you know, because it was new. Um, So, you know, we got, we, we got filled up with the local designers that, you know, are part of the guild and, and that we were talking to regularly. Um, but then as we got closer to the event, suddenly I had all these people emailing me and, and reaching out and like, how do I get in? How do I get in? And so we, we sold out twice. Like we, we filled up our initial space uh, and then that sold out. And then so we expanded to the second room and then that sold out. And I still had people interested in, you know, how to how do we get in? So we ended up having, you know, a few people that weren't signed up for sessions. They brought their games, and, and that was fine. Um, so, but this time around, um, I, I don't see a problem of not having enough badges. And, and if we do run out, we'll 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 come up with a, a plan to make things work. Perfect. Cool. I just wanted to address that. Just no, set the expectation. So absolutely. All right, now it's Saturday. Saturday, what time does it start? And it, it just, now yeah, let's dive into what happens on Saturday, which we've already pretty much talked about. <laughs> yeah, so the the first session will start at, you're making me look at the schedule because I <laughs> remember. Okay, so, so check-in is at 9 a.m. Saturday. So that just gives people a chance to um, 
come in, get their game set up. Um, you know, if you're there early and there's some space and you want to sit down and chill with a, a, a game before then, there's an hour there. Uh, but mainly that's, you know, time to kind of get set up. First session goes from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, then we've also, well, we'll talk about, well, no, I'll talk about it now because um, it's in the schedule. We've got designer uh, youth uh, set up. And so there is a slot in there that runs from 12 a.m. to 1 p.m. And so we that'll be separated out. The, the youth will be in the common area. Um, and that just helps keep things a little bit organized. And actually, can we stop and talk about the youth designer badge just real quick since we brought it up? Yeah. Yeah. Because I... Because I think that's a really cool thing that we do at, Pro- at Protocon. So, you know, we one of our goals, both in the Designers Guild and with Protocon in general, is I- expanding the love, not just of board games, but also of making board games and how cool that is, you know. And so we love to encourage uh, younger people who w- want the experience of designing a game. And so one thing we do is we have a special badge that's dedicated for youth designers and we partner them up with someone who has some experience designing games to kind of help them understand. And, and, you know, in this event, like we're expecting them to bring a game that they've already worked on. So we're not necessarily going to partner them up with someone who's going to design their game for them, but we're going to help them understand what it means to get feedback from a playtester and, and what to do with that feedback and, and how it should react. And, and, you know, there's all these skills with regards to getting your prototype game on a table and having other people look at it and give you feedback both positive and negative that's a that's a whole process um that maybe doesn't come natural to everyone and so we're, we're going to we have like a, a mentor there to help the youth kind of through that process and make sure they have as positive an experience as they possibly can so that hopefully they they keep designing games and maybe they become the next martin wallace you know or whatever so that that's kind of our goal yeah and i actually did play a youth designers game at protocon which was really fun it was it was surprisingly you know like oh i i shouldn't even say that but it was a surprisingly fun game we had a lot of fun with it it was well done and the mentor was there and afterwards we're giving you know they're like okay now it's time to get feedback and so we gave our feedback and at the end the mentor like as we gave feedback the mentor was like Okay, so like with this kind of feedback, remember, like you, you listen to it all, take it in, but you're not going to use all of it. Okay, like <laughs> this is your game. <laughs> and, Just ignore that part. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, right? Yeah, like and they're like, don't take it personal. So like they help them, you know, digest the feedback and, yeah. and learn like you're not listening to you listen to everything, but you're not going to use everything. You don't need to change your game to exactly what they're saying or anything. It's just. And I thought that was such a cool experience because, you know, like here's all these adults giving feedback to this 10 year old <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it went really well. He he took it all really well and was excited that he got to play his game and, and get feedback on it. So I wonder if he's done more with it. I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had fun. I had fun with the, the youth as well. And I, I love the youth program that we had. I had one mother who brought her son and she she could not stop coming up to me and thanking me for having that program f- for, for the kids. And uh, it's something that I didn't have when I was a kid. And I wish that there was something like that because that's what I love doing. That's how I spent my time as a kid. Uh, while we're on that, 
how much does it cost to get a youth designer in? It's five dollars. Yeah, so the the regular adult sessions are thirty five dollars for for to book one session. If that's you, for a designer, not a playtester. Yeah, for for adult designer, if you want to do two sessions, it's sixty dollars and ninety dollars for three sessions. Um, but the youth, um, they're five dollars to get in, same as a playtester. Perfect. Yeah. So back to the schedule. Uh, we'll we've got um, we'll have some raffles going on throughout the day with um, mostly games. Um, that are come from our sponsors um, but we'll, we'll have some other prizes as well so we'll have a after the first session there'll be a break um, and so we'll run a raffle and then the second session goes from two to five again we've got a youth designer session uh, slotted in that time as well then at 5 15 there'll be the second raffle and then the final session will go from 6 to 9 p.m and then following that will be the final raffle and then open gaming. Perfect. Until 11 again, right? Uh, well, actually, we're calling, it 10, up, huh? we're calling it 1030 because we have to make sure that we're out. You know, if you're finishing up your game and you race out the door by 11, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how they're going to be chasing us out. But yeah, we're, <laughs> we have the event to all the facility to 11. We have to be cleared out. So we'll be clear, okay. starting as organizer. We have to start clearing our stuff out at 1030, and make sure that we're, we're gone. That makes sense. My wife and I both won the raffle one a raffle i guess which was really fun uh and so like behind me i've got tim fowers sabotage which cool. is like mainly a four-player game so not a great game to get right before <laughs> pandemic <laughs> it's one of my only unplayed games right now uh <laughs> but i'm so excited and it was fun like i went and talked to him after and and he was just so cool like stopped playtesting just to like talk to me about the game and design for a minute which was fun it was that going back to that like you get to interact with these awesome designers uh and then i also won rome by red raven games so ryan Mockett, mm-hmm. who's also a utah designer uh, he wasn't there but he had representatives there mm-hmm. right um, so really really fun so yeah you can come and win games <laughs> <laughs> yeah how cool is that yeah and, and i know that uh i guess that kind of slides into our sponsors right we've got a few sponsors uh, who are donating games or or whatnot to the event. Right. Yeah, we have a handful of sponsors right now, uh, including Fowers Games, Uproarious Games, uh, and then uh, which is which is me, uh, for better or for worse. And uh, but we, we do have some other new ones. David, you want to talk about uh, the one you just brought on recently? Yeah. Well, uh, a couple others that we we brought from last year as well. The board game design course which is he's actually it's run by joe slack and he's out of toronto so i met joe in toronto and he's got some amazing designs um so so that's a case where as a play tester you you go and play test a game and you're like okay i can't wait for your game to come out because i'm back in it so that's that's one of those things so but he runs the board game design course and so he's come on um is a sponsor again uh we've got game crafter we had them last time. Uh, SaltCon has been a great support for, for us, both for our first year and again this year. And then we also got uh, Game Grid Layton um, came on as a sponsor this year. And so they'll be providing some gift certificates. So so that's fun. So you can win a gift certificate and, and put it towards, uh, you know, whatever game you want. 
And then we are planning to have lots more sponsors. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder in this pandemic world for that. That's kind of my job is to round up the sponsors. It's a little been a little bit harder since there's not been really any conventions for me to go rub shoulders with, with my buddies there and other board game companies, but, but I will have that done. And so we will have, you know, just a plethora of games to raffle away. Lovely. Real quick. I had youth designers after this section, but, uh, for both youth designers and getting in, oh, uh, youth players, they get in free, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 17 and under is free. Okay, so if you perfect. buy a badge, then you just go to this ticket section and then you get a ticket section for whatever whatever uh, youth that you want to bring with you. Perfect. And then youth yeah, designers, that's 17 and under as well, right? Yes. Or is there a different age? Okay. No. Yeah, we, we wanted to make this super friendly for families so that, you know, if you have a family with 28 kids, it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg to bring them all. You can just stick them all in the Suburban and bring them on down. <laughs> exactly. I know we have a couple of families, I think, that have signed up so far. Great. Oh, so with the introduction of volunteers, hopefully that will give you more time to play test your game. Are you going to bring a game to play test this year, David? Maybe. Personally, uh, I'm not going to playtest or bring a game myself to playtest um, because I just want to make sure that I can focus on the event itself. But I do have my, my son, Jacob. Uh, he loves board games and he, he loves game design. He, he, he as well as my other uh, sons, they help me out um, whenever I'm at cons you know demoing games and they're they're great uh so i may possibly bring a game um and he may he may run it for me we'll see perfect uh what about you jeff i will i will definitely have at least one if not you know five or six games there (laughs) (laughs) i always always got stuff cooking so uh um right now i am working on an expansion to uh, a game that I published called uh, the grand carnival. Um, so that was actually designed by my friend, Rob Kramer, uh, but together working on an expansion for that. So I'll probably have that with me. I'm working on a game called curiosity shop, uh, which is a very social interactive kind of trading negotiation game. I'll probably have a copy of that. I'm working on another game called con artist, which is a very light kind of family weight, busted out when grandma comes over kind of game. I'll probably have that with me. I'm working on another, you know, yeah. So I'll, I'll definitely have stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I, I got to play both uh, the, oh man, Curiosity Shop uh-huh. and Con Artist. And those were both really fun. I got to play them on at ProtoCon Online, which was a fun event. And, yeah. And yeah. So, and, yeah, you got a lot. So you've, you've seen those. them. They, they definitely have changed since you've seen them because you know, that's the nature of, <laughs> of game design. Uh, hopefully for the better. You know, we'll find out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you know, that's 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 how it works. So you get that feedback as a designer, then you go, okay, what 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 can I? How can I improve this? And then you keep going. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how they changed. I'm excited. Great. What are you going to bring, Riley? Uh, good question yeah i might bring solar express which is the game that jeff played yeah Uh, i've made some refinements based on a lot of what you and dustin told me so i can't wait to see it 
Looking yeah. forward to looking forward to checking it out. <laughs> I made some changes that totally broke it, so I'm going back. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that happens. happens. It happens. <laughs> yeah, but those broken changes also helped me see, like, oh, you know what? This didn't work, but if I changed it, if I brought it back, if I reel it back a little, it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> Too far. Uh, <laughs> so I'm planning on bringing that. Um, and I've actually played, I've only played one of David's games. I played it at SaltCon. It was uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Llama. <laughs> and it was, we played a lot of games. I won't put down any of the other games because my wife also loved playing the other games we played there. But afterwards, I'm, I was talking to her on the drive home and I was like, well, what was your favorite game that we played? She's like, I think it was David's game. I just... It was just so fun. It was <laughs> I enjoyed right. it so much. It was easy to understand, and uh, and you taught like the basic version, and then you added on the more complex stuff like after a round or two. And she was like, and and so like I understood what I was doing by the time he added that stuff on, and and yeah, so it was, oh, it was nice. Good. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had some fun with that game, and if I if I do have my son bring a game, it'll probably be that one. Oh, nice. I have, I have some other ones. Tank Brawl's um, in a bit of a hold right now as I rework some of the main cards for the game. And then I have a few other games that I'm working on. But if I do bring a game, um, it'll probably be that one. Very cool. And actually, uh, that, that kind of brings up a point that I think is really important with regards to Protocon, which is it's not just a conference for super hardcore board game enthusiasts. Like, you know, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you love board games, come. But, you know, what? bring your friends that play Monopoly and that's it. You know, bring bring your mom, bring your grandma, because as a designer, I want feedback from a plethora of people. Right. I want I want feedback from the hardcore uh, board game enthusiast who, you know, has a high ranking on board game geek. And, you know, and but I also want feedback from grandpa who's played, you know, uh, Rook and that's it. Like, you know, I, I want all of that. And so this is not just, you know, I, I think quite often we think of a board game convention as like something for very diehard in board game enthusiasts. And we want those diehard enthusiasts to come to, to Protocon, of course, but we also want people who don't play a lot of board games because they're going to have a different perspective that as a designer is super helpful for me. That's a great point. Um, actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that because um, when I first, a few years back, learned about SaltCon, because I had no idea that gaming cons even existed and I just stumbled across SaltCon, um, I, I you know, wanted to bring the boys and, and I talked my wife into coming, who's not really a gamer, but she agreed to come, you know, because it was something that we could do as a family. Um, but she, you know, the games that she had only ever really played is, you know, Monopoly type games. And she wasn't really a huge fan of Monopoly. Um, so she's like, she reluctantly came. But after the event, and, and oddly enough, one of the prototypes, so we played some published games there. And we also played some prototypes. And one of the games was a, a game that happened to be of Jeff. I think it was actually Jeff's daughter. who It was a design of hers. And she loved that game. And um, after the event, she she said, you know, I think I'm more of a gamer than I realized, <laughs> you know, and it was just that exposure to new ideas. And, and really, when it comes to games, there's something for everybody. You know, it's just you have to find what it is. And, and, and the nice thing about Protocon for someone who's not, you know, super into this hobby 
is that you have someone at the table with you who knows the game backwards and forwards and is going to teach you exactly how to play. Oh yeah. And so you don't have to wade through the rule book and get lost. And like, what do I do now? Like that there's someone here to help you and make sure you have a good experience playing this game. And so it's, it's probably more friendly for someone who's not super into board games than a regular board game convention is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. That makes sense. Unless they haven't brought the game out for a while and they're a little rusty. I mean, hey, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Hey. No, I think. Yeah, what do you want? Yeah, yeah. I think pretty much any designer going to Protocon is going to be obsessing that they oh, <laughs> yeah. got their machine ready. <laughs> it's like you got to learn to teach that as quick as possible so that they can get playing. Yeah. Is there anything else uh, Protocon wise that you guys want to cover before we? move on to the outside of no no, i think we've pretty much covered pretty much mostly everything i mean it protocon is just a super fun event we we weren't there's a lot of cons here in utah so our first year we we weren't really sure how it would go over but we ended up getting like double the the people as expected which is why we expanded to two rooms in our first year and we're super excited for for this it was hard having to miss um 2021 with covid you know we're still not out of there yet but people are excited to come back to to cons and you know gaming and game design is an important part of you know our lives and people's lives it brings people together it's a it's fun exciting it's a great way to interact Let's get outside of board games for a second and get to because this is the board game community show. We've got to go outside of board games and get to know what you like to do outside of board games. I said board games a lot right there. <laughs> board, <laughs> board games, board games, board games, not board games. <laughs> uh, so why don't we start with you, David? What kind of hobbies do you have outside of board games? Well, by trade, I'm a, a carpenter. And uh, so I, I love anything carpentry related. Um, even when I'm not at work, I, I enjoy just building stuff. I've been like that ever since I was a kid. Uh, as a kid, I used to build tree f- forts out of all kinds of whatever I could find. And, uh, you know, the two things I loved doing was building stuff and making board games as a kid. And so I still enjoy both those things. Um, but uh, I enjoy the outdoors as well. Uh, I don't get enough time to, to do, you know, camping and hiking as, as I'd like, but I, I do love it when it can, can occur. Um, and, and being originally from Canada, of course, I love hockey and uh, <laughs> um, I love to play hockey. Um, I don't get to as much as, as I'd like to, but uh, yeah, I enjoy it and I enjoy family. Perfect. What about you, Jeff? Uh, I... Love board games, but in addition, <laughs> uh, I am I really love uh, trail running. And that's one nice thing about living in Utah is from my house there are, I think, four different canyons within like two miles of my house that I can run to and and run around in the canyon and have a great time. So that's fun. Um, I also enjoy cycling a bunch. Uh, some really great cycling trails here in this area. And then the other thing I've recently gotten into with my, my kids are getting a little older. Uh, and so we have collectively started getting into some interactive fiction video games. And so, you know, maybe once or twice uh, a week, we'll take a we'll block out an evening and we'll all just get on Discord until we're all on our own computer. Uh, but we're all playing the same game and we're all voicing different characters 
in and so it's like almost this uh little theater that we're just doing for ourselves and we're just having a great time kind of going through these different stories and then we of course end up making our own inside jokes about all the different characters and so in fact on my bracelet my my daughter made this uh this little uh gem bracelet for me with an inside joke from a, a, a very specific game that we were playing uh interactive fiction game and so you know if someone sees it no one would get it because it's just for me and my family but you know it's it's really fun what is interactive fiction uh, there are a handful of, of video games that would fit into this. So it, imagine it's kind of like a choose your own adventure storybook, but on steroids where, you know, most of the game is just kind of you going through this, this story, but you're making key decisions at key moments. But the, the, often the, the stories are much more complex than what you would get in a, a choose your own adventure. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot going on and there's, you know, in the game we're playing right now, there's probably... I don't know, 16 main characters all interacting with each other. And so, you know, we're all voicing four different characters and these, you know, goofy voices and whatnot. And yeah, so it's, it's, uh, you know, just a lot of fun. That's cool. Well, now we got to do ridiculous theme. My favorite part of the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) So we come up with a ridiculous theme for a board game. Uh, I just thought of one, but if one of you has one, go. You are welcome to go first. You know, I, um, I was talking to my my brother in law last night. He actually works in cabinetry as well, similar to to David in, in carpentry. And we were talking about how fun it would be to make a game all about the current international freight shipping problems. And so, <laughs> so there you go. You know, a board game all about how the loading docks in Long Beach, California are full and you're trying to get the boats in and prices are skyrocketing. Probably the most boring board game of all times, but you know, <laughs> it would be a very unique theme. <laughs> that is pretty good. I could see that being hectic. Yeah. <laughs> I almost think of Pan Am where like, you know, the stock prices keep raising. Right, right, exactly. Instead like it's... the price keeps going up and things are just getting worse. Yeah, like you're trying to free up space here and bring in boats and unload them. <laughs> I can totally see that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> ridiculous, like what's ridiculous to one person, it completely makes sense to somebody else. So, uh, you know, it, what is ridiculous? I mean, oh, exactly. Uh, a lot of people would say that a game about birds is ridiculous, but look at Wingspan. Yeah, that's you know, true. Like that is actually of- what inspired Ridiculous Theme is because uh, Dusty's brother, Danny, and I would joke about how ridiculous of a theme Wingspan was. And we just thought, like, that is the weirdest theme you could come up with. Like, who wants to do a game about, play a game about birds? Yeah. And then I played it and I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, one person's ridiculous is another person's, like, dream game. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I was asking my, my son when we were out yesterday what would be an idea for a ridiculous game and and he said a game about knitting and and i had a laugh because that is an idea that i thought about doing (laughs) and i I specifically thought about doing doing a game about knitting not because it's a game that i want to do but it's a game that i would want to do for my wife because she's my non-gamer wife that you know (laughs) That if I can, anything I can find that would maybe get her interested and she loves the fiber arts. She loves knitting, quilting, spinning. And then, you know, they've got 
patchwork, right? It's a game about quilting. Then you got Calico. You yeah. Know, so, so who knows, right? When I was a kid, one of the games that, that I, I made was uh, for my, it was my sister's birthday. I think I was like maybe 12. I made a game about shopping at the supermarket. So you had your shopping list and you had to go around the supermarket. You know, it's a pretty silly idea, but <laughs> but then in the nineties they came out with Mall Madness. So who knows? Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, mine was board game convention or just conventions in general. But I thought specifically having a game about board game conventions <laughs> would be running an invention. Yeah, yeah like you got to run it and like <laughs> advertise book slots, get people where they need yeah, to be. Yeah, be a very stressful game, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you but, def- not for you, right? <laughs> but we would definitely win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love it. Ridiculous theme. Done. Yes. That's, it was fun to have, I mean, four. You had two of them. All right, before we wrap up, ticket availability. Well, we talked about that. Tickets are our, I'll let you guys do it because I'm going to mess up the pricing. I know I will. <laughs> yeah, the easiest way to to look for and get tickets is probably first go straight to our website. So protoconutah.com. And then you'll have the links. It will take you, there's links that go directly to tabletop events. And then that's where you can click on badges and you'll see all the badges. Um, and we talked about the pricing already. Um, and then once you've got your badge, then whatever tickets you need to get, then you get one thing I should, um, uh, should clarify, which is quite important. If you're de- a designer getting time slots, um, you need to get your badge. So you're either going to get a single, a double or a triple once you get your badge, you have to get your ticket. The ticket is what um, gives you uh, what time slot you're signing signing up for. Okay, and so we we've had in a, a we'll rectify this through communication with emails. We have some designers that get their badges, but then they don't pick their time slot by getting a ticket. So if you don't get a if you don't select your ticket, getting your time slot then you're going to, we'll have to assign you a, a time slot and it may not be the time slot that you want. So once you get your badge, it's important that you get your ticket. But the easiest way is go to protoconutah.com and then the links there will take you to tabletop events. And all time slots are three hours, but yes. there are multiple <laughs> options for, well, I don't know if there's still any triple slots. There's, uh, last day says there's one triple. Okay. Well, there's one triple left. Okay, but so then there's act other... now. Yeah, act now. <laughs> and then there's... So that'll give you three time slots throughout Saturday. Then there's double ones that'll give you two time slots. Two time slots. And once those are gone, if you want to get more than uh, one time slot, you can. You just miss out on the, on, the, on the better pricing. Yeah, you just have to buy multiple single tickets. And because it's discounted as you buy more. I say tickets, I mean badges, yeah. Perfect. Did, totally spaced when this saying when this was January twenty eighth and 29th. Yep, coming up. Yeah, once. Yeah. Yep. So it's a great place to be because we kind of have this winter lull. So we've got TimCon coming up uh, 
next weekend, which uh, I don't know if you're going, but me and my boys are going. We're super excited for that. Uh, but then we got this lull in, in wintertime and everybody's kind of chomping at the bit for for spring salt con, uh, which is an amazing event. Um, but protocon is a great event to have in January because it's like everybody after Christmas is just like want to play games, want to do something. So our first year, that's what we experienced. You know, people were just super excited to come and play some games. And then, you know, that kind of is a precursor to everybody going to spring salt con. Perfect. Sign up, sign up now, go do it while you're thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You need to get your spot, Riley. Yeah, I do. Polar express, right? Yeah. But I also want to help. You I'm volunteering both. for sure. You can do both. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you can be like me. <laughs> I'm just so scared to be a part of a convention, like in this sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it. it's a lot of fun. And I love working with the guys that we have. I love working with Jeff. Jeff is great. Uh, we've got some other guys that, on the committee. Dustin Dowdle, he is amazing. He just works so hard. And, and we've got other people on the committee as well that they're just uh, you know great to have on board. You got a good team working with you. I'm not biased. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you wanted to be a sponsor, if anybody's listening to be a sponsor, you just reach out and you would donate some games or or something, right? Yep, yeah. So. Just there's a there's a contact on the website. Just shoot us a message and we'll we'll chat. Perfect. Uh, well, why don't you guys plug your stuff? Your we got David with Fantasy Realm Games. Do you have anything going on, or follow on social medias? Yeah, I, I have um, my Facebook page is Fantasy Realm Games, and I have an Instagram. Eventually, I'll be putting up a website. I'll probably do that once I I got Tank Brawl kind of gearing up for kick, Kickstarter. But those are the two ways to. F- to follow me is on Facebook and Instagram right now. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about Tank Brawl or any of and or any of your other games? Sure, sure. Tank Brawl is uh, it's an intense uh, dice placement, dice rolling placement game that puts players inside. I'm doing air quotes, which you can't see. Um, <laughs> uh, puts players inside of a World War II tank. So I wanted to do uh, a, a, a tank game. But I wanted to have a different perspective. I didn't want the usual moving tanks around on a map. I wanted to give players the feel of what it could possibly feel to be inside of a tank during a battle when everything's going wrong and you know there's just chaos. Um, and so that's what Tank Brawl is. Um, and I've had you know great response from that. Um, my first time at my first big foray into exposing it to the public was at SaltCon in 2018. No, I can't even remember now. I think it was 2018. And um, I, I had an article written about the game um, through that when I went to ProtoTO. Uh, again, a great response. I had another article, blog article, written about the game there as well. Um, I actually was in the running. Uh, I made it into the running for with Tank Brawl for the Auto Awards um, at Festival, and that's over in Denmark. That was going to be this year, but I ended up withdrawing because of COVID. They switched the event to a digital event, 
and I didn't want to, that wasn't what I had in mind. So I, I'll res resubmit that at some point in the future. And if I get accepted again, uh, then I will go over to Denmark. I have a brother li that lives over there. Oh, cool. So that's the reason I didn't want to be a di digital event for me. Um, being at an event super important. Um, that's more important than even any award because I get to interact with people and seeing that interaction with people that love my game is, you know, that's what keeps me going, you know, having, having those people. So, so there's that I've got, you mentioned earlier, Couching Tiger, Hidden Llama. It's a, um, a card game, which, um, I may bring to, um, Protocon, if my if my son is willing to do all the work of demoing that, um, then I have a, uh, the other. I have another card game called Hackers Inc., which you are uh, players trying to out hack this evil hacker corporation called Hackers Inc. They're hacking into systems around the world, like you know, banking, stock market, um, U.S. military drones, you know, satellites, that sort of thing. Um, and then I have a, I have a ton of games um, on the shelf. I have lots of idea game rules kind of roughly written out. One I'm excited to do when I get time to do is called Defenders of Mars. And that's kind of, there's a ton of games out there um, about colonizing Mars. I wanted to do a game where you've, you've already kind of got colonies established but now mars is being attacked and you have to defend mars and i believe on mars recently yeah it was on mars came out with alien invasion i think it's called um so that's the only other game i know that kind of has that theme going on uh, mine is kind of a different take on that so i don't know when i'll get to that but that's one i'm super excited to do and nice. i have some other ones as well as a designer, there's always, you got a hundred ideas <laughs> and time for none of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Jeff, what about you? Yeah. So Uproarious Games is the name of my company. Uh, we've got a handful of games that are out and shipping now. Uh, you can find our website at uproariousgames.com or we're on all the medias, social or otherwise. So track us down. Uh, our newest game, Intrepid, is just shipping now. That is a cooperative and highly asymmetric uh, survival game where you play as an astronaut 400 kilometers above Earth on the International Space Station trying to keep things uh, running while there's a disaster taking place on the station. So it's it's very intense. It's a challenging game. Most people lose. <laughs> so if you like challenging games, this is the game for you. Uh, it is a... Uh, dice game but there is a lot of mitigation in fact i wouldn't really call it a luck game it's unlike other dice games in that what you're really trying to do is manipulate your dice into an optimal state and then uh, accomplish the goals you have set out so there's a lot of strategy going on um it's it's highly interactive uh you need you need to work with the other players to make sure that things are going well and it's a lot of fun uh you know, I, if I do say so myself, one of my favorite games to play. So <laughs> even after playtesting it a hundred times, even after playing it like a thousand times, <laughs> I still love that game and play it every chance I get. Cause it's just, it's, there's just, it's so puzzly 
because you know you're rolling half a dozen dice and then you have to like manipulate this one this way and this and but each country is manipulating dice in different ways and uh it's it's super fun super puzzly in just a brain burning kind of way so. very nice i'm gonna pick that one up when i can because okay it's ready to go okay <laughs> <laughs> just let me know i'll okay. send you a copy all right <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, that Kickstarter happened while I was house hunting. There was like so many Kickstarters while I was house hunting that I wanted, and it, it's just like I can't justify buying right. anything right now. That's what I mean, <laughs> so I'm glad now I have a connection. Yes, <laughs> now you know the, the the publisher. You're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we have that. We also have uh, I mentioned before the Grand Carnival, which is a a competitive game, it, which was it won multiple Game of the Year awards, including Z Garcia of the Dice Tower picked it as his 2020 Game of the Year. So it's uh, a very popular game, kind of, kind of in the, uh, I'd say it's a ticket to ride weight level game. So good to play with people that don't play a ton of board games, but it's also very puzzly. That's a, a polyomino game where you have Tetris pieces you know, looking pieces that you're placing on a board, trying to maximize their spaces. But unlike a lot of other games, you're not just trying to cram in as many as you can. You need to optimize your space because in, in Grand Carnival, you're, you're building out this carnival and you need guests to be able to walk around the different attractions. And so if you cram them all in together, there's not going to be any space for the, the guests to walk around. So you got to you gotta think a little more strategically than I'd, I'd say just like smash them all in as, as tight as you can. That's awesome. Rob loves the polyominoes because I know Critter Grove right now that he's working on is he, also he's all about polyominoes, and, <laughs> and that's okay because he does a great job with them. He does. He does. He's awesome too. I love Rob. He'll. Yeah. I think he'll be on the show eventually. So, any other things you needed to plug? Uh, I mean, those are the big ones right now. We do have other games. We got uh, Word Domination, which is a Lucy Award-winning word game of area control. So if you want uh, a word game with a lot of interaction where you're, you're picking fights with the other players, word domination is the way to go. And then we also have uh, getaway driver, which is a little two player asymmetric game. One player is playing the getaway driver on the run. The other player is playing the police trying to catch them before they escape. Uh, so just a, a quick, you know, maybe 30 minute, but tense uh, high stakes. Can you get out before you get caught kind of game? Very nice. And I have that game too. Do you? Nice. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got Intrepid in those two games, so I, I, I've I've got my start on uh, Uproarious Games Jeff Nice Collection. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely Grand Carnival's been on my before I even know, knew that Jeff or that it was a Utah one, Utah designer. That was on my list of things to get. Um, nice. So, and I've seen Getaway Driver. I didn't realize that you were uh, you were the publisher there. Yep. Yeah, designer and publisher of Getaway Driver. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for listening to the Board Game Community Show. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jeff. You two are absolutely awesome. I'm really looking forward to Protocon. I hope that you listeners will check it out. Just go online, look it up, and see if it's the type of event you want to be a part of. I think it's definitely worth it. It was the first convention I went to, and it was really, really fun. There's not a lot of Kickstarters from guests gone by. Both Fabricio with Hyper Wars and Kyle with Flee the Dungeon, they didn't reach their funding goal. 
that's okay. They got some feedback. They're excited to take that and run with it and then come back and and hit it hard again and get it funded. I'm excited for both those games. I backed both of them. I'm bummed I won't get them right now. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with not funding your first time. There's a lot to Kickstarter, i.e. Aaron and Paige Treglon, a husband and wife game design duo who were on episode 13 of Nerding Out. They didn't succeed on their first go with their game Faction Fighters, but it is now back and they funded on their second day of launching. So go check that out on Kickstarter. It's a really cool 1v1 card dueling game. The creatures are fiercely cute and there's like, uh, they have abilities, but you have to spend resources to use the abilities and the resources are very limited. Like you only start with a very small amount and then you might be able to win a couple uh, through through the game that you're playing, but you might sacrifice winning some victory points if you go for those resources. So it, it's it's got some really cool choices. It's very simple to learn, but there's a lot of strategy to it. So go check out Faction Fighters. At the end of the episodes, I'm going to try and do a little past and future segment. So if this is the first time you've listened to the Board Game Community Show, go back to last week's episode and listen to the episode with Mick and Starla from Our Family Plays Games. They bring so much energy to the show. I mean, they the, their YouTube videos are them. That is them. Talking with them. Even off mic, they had that same kind of energy. Just so fun. That back and forth. That chemistry. I love them so Ah, just so good. If you didn't listen to it, go listen to it. It's a fun one. There's also some serious stuff we talk about, and I appreciated it immensely. I'm I'm just blown away that I got to talk to them. Next week, I chat with Chris Barrows, and it was so much fun. Chris Barrows, I know from Twitter, and he and I like a lot of the same things. He posts so many Marvel things and I'm such a Marvel fan. He posts video game things. He posts board game things and just like everything. I'm like, yes, yes, this guy gets it. This is my brother right here. And so we get to talk about a lot of stuff that we nerd out about and it's really, really fun. He also has a YouTube channel called Tabletop Express and he does something similar where he gets to know people Uh, in the community, but specifically designers. And then he's got a variety of other videos that are really good as well. So look forward to getting to know Chris Barrows next week. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review, give me a rating, email me, at me, let me know. I really appreciate it. Last week, people kept reaching out to me and telling me how fun the Mick and Starla episode was. And that meant so much to me because I would do this even if I had no listeners because it's an excuse for me to get to know awesome people in the community. I mean, I would never probably get to talk to Mick and Starla outside of a convention if if I didn't have this podcast. So very selfishly, I'm going to keep doing this because I get to meet cool people. But if you enjoy it too, then share it. Leave a review. Let me know. I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. And that's all I've got. Until next week, keep nerding out.